Welcome to the Run Run Live 4.0 podcast, where we plumb the daily adventure of endurance sports. Let us seize this precious moment together and squeeze the life from it like a golden lemon sent to us fresh today from the emissaries of the gods. Terribly happy guy Then he ate a moldy pumpkin pie Then he thought that he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard and made him Hello, my old friends, my endurance athlete old friends, and welcome to the Run Run Live podcast, episode 5-481. How are we doing on this fine fall day? It's fall up here. It's actually kind of winter up here in New England. We have set the clocks back, and it's now officially dark at 4.30ish, which makes me want to stab myself in the eye with an olive fork. Is there such a thing as an olive fork? We like to tell ourselves with puritanical zeal and righteous fury that all this lack of sunlight and crappy weather makes us harder and more able to transverse this fickle world filled with chaos. We say things like, I was doing hill repeats in the freezing rain, wearing that suffering like a holy stigmata. But what if it's all a lie? What if all that adversity just makes us grumpy and hard to live with? I don't know, but I do know the best policy. Take it one day at a time. Do what you can. Embrace what the universe brings you because time is short, my friends. Live your life. Those of you new to the Run Run Live podcast may be thinking, Chris, what the hell are you on about? And to you, I would say just stick with it. And it will eventually make sense. And I'd be lying because I have no intention to, and frankly lack the ability to make sense most of the time. So I guess I'd change that advice to, eh, you'll get used to it. Like a wart in an uncomfortable place. Or you could have it surgically removed. But either way, I started this podcast back in 2007 as an interview-based podcast to share... Share what? Well, originally to share all the tribal knowledge I had accumulated as an amateur athlete. And I figured that what I had learned, starting from scratch at a 30-year-old and embracing the sport of long-distance running and getting addicted in a sense, I kind of thought that would be valuable information to others. And frankly, I thought with this long-distance running, this marathoning, I thought I had found the solution to all life challenges. Out of shape? Go for a run. Overweight? Go for a run. Stressed out? Go for a run. 
And by studying, learning from the old-timers and immersing myself in the culture, I really thought I had the answers. And as we progressed through the years of the podcast, I met new people, I tried new things, and much to my surprise, got semi-internet famous. And this is where I am forced to remind people that being internet famous is not the same thing as being famous. And in the background, I raised my kids, put them through school, stayed married. I worked and traveled and tried my best to live the adventure. My running advice gave way to other forms of advice indicative of the mid-career searcher type, business and self-helpy type stuff. I even managed to blend in some of my creative endeavors, knowing that I am a jaded author as well, and sundry other diverse topics. Here's the truth. Most podcasters never make it past 10 episodes. Why? Well, first, because these creators, these podcasters, they have poorly set expectations. They think that this is a commercial project, which it is not. You're not going to make any money, and you're not going to get famous. Or maybe they think it's easy, which it isn't. It's a lot of work. Or they think they will have an endless well of ideas, which they don't. So we're currently at somewhere around the 500 episode mark because I never had any of those expectations. I focused on the simple goal of consistency. And you may have figured it out by now, my brain is wired in a wonderful way such that I never run out of things to say. (laughs) My brain is like a box of demented rabid weasels all trying to get out at the same time. Some of you on the ride with me through injury and success, some through constant reinvention and searching, and here we are again, and I'm working on reinventing myself. I don't have the desire or the bandwidth to do interviews anymore, so I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'm going to let a few of those weasels out of the box every once in a while to run around and bite unwary people. And today we have a wonderful show for you. I am going to talk about my Marine Corps Marathon. And maybe I'll talk about other stuff. (laughs) And as we go through this, we'll we'll do some stuff. And we'll we'll do some learning, because I'm still learning. So, you ready to have some fun? Let's go for a run. On with the show. It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength. All right, my friends, Marine Corps Marathon 2023, where to start? You know, I've read a lot of bad race reports. My least favorite race report format is the stream of consciousness linear format. And you know what I'm talking about. It goes something like this. I woke up at 8.37, went to the expo, picked up my number, met Joe, bought some goo, went back to the hotel, laid out my blue shirt, not my red shirt, droning on and on like some super non-interesting bloomsday. My second least favorite race report is the I had a bad race, and I'm going to blame everyone else format. 
And that goes something like this. Let me tell you how these stupid race directors ruined my weekend by not having the right type of rehydration fluid on the course, and my Garmin said 26.4, so they must have measured the course wrong. Wah, 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 wah. Don't we have enough negativity in this world? If you're going to go drown us with insufferable complaining, at least try to make it interesting. My advice has always been to write down in bullet form everything you can remember and what struck you soon after the race, like right after the race, write down everything you remember, just in bullets and words, stream of consciousness, and then wait a few days, maybe even a couple of weeks. Let it, let it cook a little bit. And then go back and look at your list and find the most interesting thing, the most important thing. Find the hook that will grab your readers by the throat. And then start with that. And the example I always use is, I was lying face down in the grass throwing up. See, that's a good first sentence, right? That's a great place to start. Now you're interested. Why was he lying in the grass face down throwing up? Right? That's a good start. All right, you ready? Let's go. 2023 Marine Corps Marathon. Once more into the breach, I was crying at the start. Not full-on crying, but weepy, overcome by emotion crying. And it wasn't an artifice. I wasn't weepy because I thought I should be weepy. I was weepy because I was emotionally overcome by the fact that I was back standing in the corral at the start of a marathon. And I think that's what defined this race. The fact that I got to the start. I could leave the race report right there and you'd have most of the significance, most of the weight of it. I got to the start. Okay, guess we're done. Did you like my race report? Was it everything you wanted? No? Yeah, you're kind of needy, aren't you? Okay, so a quick review, a little scene setting, get us all in the same place. What made this starting line so emotional? And since we're all friends here, I get weepy all the time, so that's not super special. I've gotten weepy at marathon starts before. When that sun comes up on that crisp morning and somebody is belting out the national anthem, I mean, it's designed to pull on your heartstrings. It's the culmination of a journey. At that point, the race doesn't matter. You got to that start line, and it's emotional. But what made this start significant is six months or so earlier, I had resigned myself to the evidence that I was done running marathons and maybe even done running altogether. And I'd like to say this was a triumphant return, and in ways it was, but it was sort of a mediocre return. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. In the spring of 2020, with the apocalypse raging, I went out for a hill workout. I was training for Boston. Something popped in my left knee, and that began a slow, chronic spiral down the drain of inactivity. And by the beginning of this year, 2023, I was running, count them, zero, 0, 0.0 miles. I was still fighting the good fight with biking and weightlifting, but I was losing the battle, especially the battle of the waistline, I might add. It was three years, and the knee still flared up any time I tried to run on it. So that was my starting point, when I was dared 
to sign up for the Marine Corps Marathon, and you know who you are, in April, which gave me six months, a scant six months, to climb out of that well of despair and into marathon shape. And I like having goals. This seemed like a good one. My old coach came on board. He volunteered to train me, which was cool, and we got to work. And I'll circle back around in some future episode to this training cycle because I learned a lot. But let's suffice it to say that by October, I had enough fitness to get to this starting line. My wife and I drove down to D.C. on Friday, and we drove back on Monday. One of the things I regret or would have done differently over the years and all those marathons and races and events would have been to budget in those extra buffer days around the race. I was always such a such a maniac parachuting in for the race then hopping, well, usually limping onto a plane right after the race. I should have given myself more time to to smell the roses or smell the hokas even. So my youngest daughter Teresa and her husband live in DC. So that made it a nice weekend of visiting. And this is the point in our run-run-live relationship, our long, decades-long relationship, where I can give you a big reveal and tell a story. This is something you've always wondered about. Back when I was starting the podcast about running, my wife Yvonne said, Do what you want. <laughs> like she can stop me from being crazy, but do what you want. Talk, but don't talk about me on the, or the kids on your podcast because the internet is all psychopaths and axe murderers. And she wasn't that far off from the truth, was she? So over the years, I never did. Those are my rules when I started, right? My guardrails. Don't talk about the family. And I added some of my own common sense rules on top of that, like no politics, no religions, that sort of thing. So here's the big reveal. My social media handle has always been CYKT Russell, and people would ask me, what does that mean? We're at the point where I can share that those are the first initials of my family. Chris, Yvonne, Katie, and Teresa. My kids are all grown up now, out of the nest, off the payroll. They can fend for themselves. We drove down Friday. On Saturday, Teresa and I went to the expo to pick up my number. She likes going to the expo with me. It's something we did when they were little. Went down into Boston to pick up our stuff. Good thing we went early because when we left, the line to get in, it was all the way like wrapped around the building. It was like a mile long. And for some reason, Marine Corps always has a problem with that, with that packet pickup on Saturday. It's always a, a huge wait. And after that, we went and walked around the National Arboretum, looked at some plants. D.C. is full of cool parks and museums to play tourist at. Yvonne and I had a hotel room in Crystal City, and being the seat-of-the-pants guy that I am, I still hadn't figured out how I was getting to the start in the morning, so I was starting to stress out over that, you know, buses, trains, when I actually read the race information and realized there was a shuttle bus to the start and back from the finish from Crystal City. The place to catch this bus was only like a block from the hotel. So I walked over there and checked it out. Sure enough, there was a shuttle stop, clearly marked, all set up, piece of cake, no logistics in the morning. 
And I walked around a bit, bought a coffee at Starbucks. A little pro tip for you. Buy your coffee the night before, stick it in the fridge. Then you can drink it in the morning without having to stress over that. Got a couple of Cliff Bars, bottle of Gatorade. Just sort of snacking food for the morning. Had a sandwich and a beer for dinner with Yvonne. Laid out my kit, set the alarm, went to bed. I slept great. Now, I got to tell you, for this marathon, I had no stress, no no performance anxiety at all. I wasn't racing. I mean, I was just looking to finish. I already won, right? I showed up at the start. I already won. And there was nothing to do. Just show up, do my thing, try not to die. So in that sense, it was it was odd, right? It was just odd. And in the week before the race, the weather forecast had started to stabilize on a predicted warm day for the race. Not really warm, just warmer than optimal. No biggie, really. I mean, I wasn't racing. A little sweat won't kill you. For my kit, I had my old Brooks baggy shorts, my Squanacook River Runners singlet, and for the first time in a road marathon, I wore a vest. Now, because I had trained in this vest, and I found it convenient for carrying things, and because I wasn't racing, I felt like I should be carrying things. It has these two front pockets for these 750 milliliter um, floppy bottles, squeezy bottles, and you can uh, put the bigger bladder in the back as well. For most of my training, I just used the one front pocket for one of those squishy bottles, and I used the other front pocket for my phone, which is a big iPhone 15, so it's it's huge. And sometimes I would fill the second floppy bottle and toss it in the back, but I never used the full bladder. I haven't even un- unwrapped it since I bought the vest. And since I wasn't racing... And I knew the course was well-supported. I just took the one bottle. Seeing the warm forecast, I was smart enough to throw a handful of Endurolites in a little baggie, take those with me, and a little tube of lube, because, you know, sweat means chafing. No sense being uncomfortable if you don't have to be. And that was it. I wore that old pair of Hoka Cliftons that I'll talk about in a little bit, but basically it was the same setup I used for my long runs on the rail trail. Nothing new. Now, I have run Marine Corps twice before, once in 2009, where I went out way too fast and crashed, and again in 2014, the year of the 13 marathons, so I knew what to expect. You know, it's a giant race, 50,000 runners. There's lots of first-timers, lots of of back-of-the-packers. You know, for a race, it's got its pros and cons. Some people really love this race. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. So, Sunday, rolled out of bed, grabbed my coffee, my stuff, walked down to the bus stop, hopped on the bus, was dropped off in the massive holding area at the start, found a patch of grass, relaxed, did some yoga, talked to some people, took some pictures. I was an hour early. (laughs) Eventually, they got us all moving. The herd sort of got up on their feet and went off to the highway up to the start, which which is a long walk, frankly. It's probably a half a mile. Now, I noticed that people had different bib colors on, but no one ever told us what the different bib colors were for. I'm assuming these had some sort of correlation to pace or corral, but other than suggested pace signs, there was no sorting of runners at the start. It was just one big blob. We had the announcements, the flyovers, a little bit of weeping, and we were off. I walked all the way to the start line when the gun went off. You know, why waste energy? In this big crowd, this 
This is a giant crowd. There's no profit in trying to get around people and get ahead. The first few miles, we were packed in like sardines. It made no difference to me. I was just jogging along with the herd. But if you wanted to run some other pace, you would have struggled. There are some significant hills in the first few miles. I mean, not significant like, I don't know, Leadville significant, but significant for somebody who's only trained on the rail trail. And you don't realize these hills are there because you're so packed in, but they are there. And the challenge on hills with a big pack and lots of rookie runners is that everybody's paces get, get wacky. They slow way down on the uphills and, and the pacing gets kind of random. So, you know, I was just jogging and chatting and coaching, but I'm sure there was a lot of energy wasted in this sort of stop and go traffic jams where you had to jump around a lot in the early miles. Also, because of the bad knee, I had not, like I said, trained on any hills, zero hills. And while it didn't impact me in the moment, I would feel it in my quads late in the race and after the race. Uh, on the positive side, my knee was fine, right? I, no pain at all. So yeah, I'll go back to this training cycle and how I managed to accomplish this. And I'll, I'll fill you in on that in a later post. But I was planning to just go out and jog, take a walk break every 10 minutes or so. But with the crowd, I actually missed a lot of those early walk breaks because it was just so packed together. Um, it was warm. It was sneaky warm. It wasn't hot. It wasn't like Florida full sun soaked to its sweat hot. Just a bit warm, a bit sticky. I mean, I was eating some dates that I had brought with me. I was taking Endurolites every so often to stay ahead of it. And I heard after the race that people complained. They thought it was really, really hot and humid. And I, I think it peaked out at like 77 degrees. And I also heard they were carting people off the course from the heat exhaustion and that they actually shortened the course for the back of the pack. So it is what it is. But honestly, I wasn't working hard enough that I was ever soaked or uncomfortable. But eventually it snuck up on me. Somewhere in the middle miles, I realized that, hey, I'm thirsty and my bottle is empty. Uh, so for the rest of the race, I was trying to play catch up, filling my bottle at every water stop, taking a cup of water, taking a cup of noon on top of that. They had noon on the course, which was pretty good. Um, and they didn't mix it too strong, which is good as well. A lot of times they overmix that stuff. It was somewhere around the half marathon that I started getting tired and working in more walk breaks. It's a bit disheartening to be this slow now because you look at your watch and you realize that at this pace, I'm going to be out here for another two hours and I'm already tired, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, I just did not have enough training, but that's okay. That wasn't what I was trying to do with this race, right? Um, by the time we got to the bridge over Crystal City, I was just grinding fighting it all the way, walking a lot. I mean, I've spent enough time in the Suffer Cave in my life that it wasn't like emotionally terrible. It was just a, you know, it wasn't an end of the world scenario. It was just, it, it, it was what it was. And I worked through it for the last six miles or so, just sort of walk running and trying to take in the sights and sounds and not, not pass out anywhere. Uh, some highlights from the course. Salt in some highlights. I talked to a lot of first-timers. It was fun. I like talking to first-timers. It was fun to be out there and mingling with my people again. 
Uh, the You may have heard this from other people, but the disabled athletes, specifically the people pushing other people in wheelchairs and race chairs, they were mixed up in the big pack with everyone else, which was hard for them on such a packed course. They couldn't get through um, and they were crowded. But one of the good things was that they had the name of the of the athlete in the chair on a flag um, that was on the chair. So you could call the athletes out by name when you pass them. So it was super cool to have that sort of personal connection with the athlete in the chair. Um, that was fun. Uh, there was a, some group from Massachusetts that was carrying big Massachusetts state flags on the course, which was kind of cool for me. I talked to those guys. For nutrition, they had cliff blocks on the course. That was their on-course nutrition. They also had sports beans at some point. And, and, but for the cliff blocks, what they did is they handed out the whole sleeve to the athlete. So the athlete got, I don't know, what's that? 10 cliff blocks. So they eat one and throw the rest. So the road was covered with these cliff blocks, like the tesserae of some broken Roman candy mosaic. And late in the race, they were handing out maple syrup packets. And I can't imagine a universe where I'm craving a warm shot of maple syrup on a hot day late in a race. <laughs> I don't know what what world that is, but it made the road sticky. In front of the Capitol building, people were taking pictures. Mostly people from other countries were taking pictures, but we got to tell our Congress jokes like, hey, we're working harder than they are, and at least we're getting something done. Yuckety yuck. You know, like I said, people love this course, and I can I can see it on the macro level. It's it's a cool city. It hooks in all the sites and monuments, but on the micro level, there's a lot of cement and a lot of lumpy road and a lot of highway. It's very industrial running. I'll tell you, my feet were pretty sore afterwards. That's how much cement there was. But that may have been from trying to get too much out of the old Clifton's. I hadn't been running much, so I never bought new shoes for this cycle. And those old soldiers, those Clifton's, probably had 750 to 1,000 miles on them. Probably a tactical mistake. But, you know, right in line with my not really giving a hoot about the race performance. I was treated to this interesting interaction in animated Spanish between two runners at one point. This lady was shoving something into the hands of another runner, speaking at him in machine gun fire Spanish that I couldn't grok. And the man was saying back to her, tanga, 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 which I think means got it. And I decided right then and there, if I ever made a movie about this race with Quentin Tarantino, that would have been one of the scenes. Yep. There was this other lady I was running near who was really mad about something. And she was all kitted out. She had all the bottles and the vests and all the stuff. She's like, this is her career, running slow marathons. And she was grinding away, cursing the universe. <laughs> Different strokes, I guess. And then right at the end, coming up that last hill that to the monument, there was a guy that was playing inspirational sermons on his phone. He looked really intent. God was going to help him to the finish. There was a lady in the crowd that had a sign that said, run like a mad dog, which I appreciated. Didn't take a picture, but it pain in the ass to drag my phone out. There were a lot of Marines in the race, and you could tell. You can tell Marines by the way they run, by the way they carry themselves. 
They don't need to have the uniform on. Towards the end, as they do, things start to get pretty grim. The sun came out. There were casualties along the side of the road. They were carting people away on stretchers. People were trying to stretch out cramps, you know, all that stuff. And there were, there, there was lots of course marshalling though. There were EMT types stationed along the course. And in general, for this race, this is a very well supported race. But like I said, the last mile was like a casting call for the walking dead. <laughs> and my head was starting to get fuzzy and the tunnel vision was coming on and my quads were strobing. And I was afraid that if I pushed it, I was going to lock up and be one of those casualties. So I just kept grinding away. Nothing bad happened. I just walked a lot and finally climbed that little hill up to the Iwo Jima monument and got my medal. And my watch said 26.77 miles. So clearly the course was measured wrong. <laughs> just kidding. There's a lot of walking in this race. You walk like a half mile to get to the start. And then at the finish, they send you on another long walk to get to the finish area. Um, since I have my phone with me, I could take pictures, send texts, relax a little bit in the grass, drink some water, eat some watermelon. I found Dave Foss over in the beer tent and he joined us for dinner, me and my family. Then Yvonne and I got up early Monday morning and drove back. My quads were a bit sore the next day, and my hips were a little cranky, but the knee was fine, and I recovered quickly. At the end of the day, you know, I ran the race that I trained for, which, you know, is typically what happens. If you want a different outcome, you need to have a different training effort. That's the way it works. I mean, it wasn't a great race. Frankly, it was the second slowest marathon I've ever run, but at the same time, it was a significant milestone, right? I was able to complete it and I was able to complete that training cycle. I was able to get to that starting line, and I was able to grind out the distance. Goal achieved. I can use this fitness now, right, as a stepping stone, and maybe, if I feel like it, put a proper training cycle in. But honestly, where my head is at right now, I think I'd rather enjoy 10 more years of running in the woods with my dog than killing myself to take 30 minutes off a road marathon finishing time. I mean, you can have worthy goals that aren't 10x what you've done before. It's okay. I really, really enjoyed the training this summer. Uh, the race was a bit of a grind, but I'll take it. You know, I run in the shadow of previous versions of myself. And I'm going to say that gives me strength. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. All right, my friends, that's it. You have reached the end of yet another Run, Run, Live podcast. This has been episode 5-481. And I really appreciate the outpouring of love and support from everyone. When I dropped that last episode, I had no idea my feeble ramblings had such a formative impact on so many people. I'm humbled by that. I don't know what's next, but I'm thrilled to be considering what's next. I have signed up for the local 5K Turkey Trot. That's my next outing. And I'm going to try to keep the training consistent, maybe keep this fitness that I've clawed back and not hurt myself. After that, I've got a team in for the Mill Cities Relay in December. And if I'm not mistaken, in a fit of insanity, I signed up for the Napa Valley Marathon in the spring. So, 
good to be talking to you all again. Reach out to me and say hi. Tell Hoka they need to sponsor me. Keep getting up, keep moving forward, reach for that next rung, and I will see you out there. And then he thought that he just couldn't die. So Ned, he laughed so hard it made him cry.